It's another Saturday night in comedy, and as we make our way towards the biggest comedy fest of the year, we sit down with some of the heavy hitters taking the stage this month in Montreal. From the cast of the new Crave series, The Dessert, to a returning JFL All-Star and a comedy icon, it's festival time, baby! I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here as always on 640 Toronto, which you know because you're listening to us right now and streaming all across the entire known universe on Global News Online. It is, of course, the lead up to Just for Laughs, arguably the biggest comedy event on the planet. Certainly the biggest festival here in Canada. It is the pre-season, pre-festival time. And we got our producer, Vince Desco, on the line right now. Vince, it is all about the JFL tonight on Inside Jokes. It's, it's always been about JFL. <laughs> it's always that yeah. pretty much, uh, pretty much yeah. almost eight seasons of one never-ending free commercial for Just for Laughs. It's, it's the big enchilada, the, the whopper, the Big Mac of comedy. It's the Just for Laughs comedy fest. You start singing the song. It really is. I mean, we're, we, the only one we've never had on here is the green mascot, which apparently is named Victor. But tonight we have... Really? Is that his name? Victor? That's his, It's Victor, apparently. But tonight, Vince, we have a whole cross-section of comics appearing on the fest. And again, this is just the beginning. Uh, we have the cast of the all-new Crave series, The Dessert, cast and creators joining us here. And then a little later on in the show, uh, one of our favorite returning friends from JFL, we pretty much have him on every year in the lead-up to this, the one and only Alonzo Bowden is joining us again, and very excited about this, Vince. First time ever on the show, and by default also the last, because we're getting cancelled soon. Uh, but we have the iconic Judy Gold joining us. So Alonzo and Judy Gold both taking part of Just for the Culture at this year's JFL. So it's uh, it's a heavy hitter tonight, Vincenzo. Nice little slip of the tongue. Yes, Alonzo is a lifer, a lifer at JFL. They should make him the mascot. Screw the green guy. Screw that's right. <laughs> Just make it Alonzo Bowden from now on. But that's our panel. We got TV cast members, iconic headliners, JFL hosts. It's the whole shebang as we lead up to Montreal right here, right now on Inside Joe. Downtown by myself and I had so much time. You sit and think about myself and then there she was. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here as always on 640 Toronto. You know that because that's where you're listening to this right now. And of course, streaming all across the known MCU on Global News Online. It is, of course, festival season, the world's biggest comedy festival. JFL is back this summer in Montreal and we have a star-studded lineup of comics, producers, performers, just a variable who's who at the fest this year. Uh, first up on tonight's panel, we are sitting down with the cast and creators of the new sketch series, The Dessert, which is, of course, launching July 7th on Crave and appears live at this year's Just for Laughs Festival. Uh, and, of course, from executive producer Bruce McCullough, who we all know of Kids in the Hall fame. But we have the cast right here with us right now. We have Shane Cunningham, we have Isabella Campbell, and we have Jillian Smart. How's everybody doing tonight? Oh, great. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is yeah, very cool. thank you. I really feel so I mean, excited. Obviously, you know, the 
by the time this episode, we're all listening to this episode, yes, this this series has launched and premiered on Crave, but of course you're also doing a live sketch show at this year's Just for Laughs in Montreal. It does feel like this show is coming along at a time where, uh, and obviously it's poignant that Bruce McCullough is attached as a producer because, of course, Kids in the Hall, that's that's the sketch troupe in Canada that paved the way for so many, and that's sort of one of our, our most mm-hmm. iconic troops in Canadian history. But there really does seem to be a big boon in sketch series in Canada again right now. There does seem to be this big resurgence. I mean, the last couple of years, we look at a lot of the stuff that the networks have picked up. I mean, Tall Boys, unfortunately, which came and went, but was a fantastic show. Baroness Von Sketch, and yeah. now, of course, is launching the dessert. It does really feel like there's sort of this new generation of sketch television coming out now. Yeah, for sure. And Tall Boys, I think, still had three seasons, which I'd be happy yeah. with that. Like, if that's coming and going, I will gladly come and go. It is true. In Canada, nice. that's a long run. That's a healthy run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice I said that weird. Here. That wasn't meant to be crass. I know that came out weird. <laughs> it is true. Like, shut it down. It's it's good. <laughs> Typically, in Canadian showbiz, the only thing that lasts longer than two seasons is French-Canadian prank shows. That's it. <laughs> well, that was Bella's biggest influence growing up. It was funny. We did a pre-interview. We were just talking about that. she said her biggest influence was JFL. Uh, what is that called? Just for Laugh Gags. Yeah. Gags. Gags, yes. Street gags. If you have somebody popping out from behind a rose bush with some slide whistle sounds in Canada, that's like 20 seasons right there. But it's also, I mean, you're, of course, so you've launched this show on Crave. It does feel like... Obviously, the streaming platforms have, of course, become the new playground for sketch content. And I mean, we look at a lot of the stuff appearing at JFL and a lot of the stuff that has been greenlit by networks in the last few years started off in that digital realm. It was people doing viral content and, you know, launching their own channels and all this stuff. Is this kind of, do you guys think, I mean, as as sketch performers and obviously as the cast of the show and you're airing on Crave, is this kind of like the death rattle of network comedy network tv in a lot of ways do you think do we see everything moving over to the streaming realm now because we one thing we talk about on this show a lot lately is kind of like late night shows were always so important of a platform for comedians Mm -hmm. they still exist Mm -hmm. but it's not a career maker like it used to be i don't know is everything going streaming now is this sort of the end of the networks in some ways uh for me i don't know if it's the end of the networks but i certainly think without streaming platforms there would be no dessert just because i tried uh, writing a sketch comedy show 10 years ago and i looked at all the scripts we created and we didn't even bother pitching it because none of it could be on network television and i just had assumed we would never get a chance and then crave came along and oh sorry someone gave two minutes okay sorry (laughs) <laughs> and then uh Cra- <laughs> now we're going meta yeah crave came along <laughs> and then break i the thought fourth wall there, yeah yeah sorry i thought you gave me the peace symbol and i thought you were like peace you gotta go but you were just saying two minutes till i guess this commercial break but then crave came along and it just gave us a whole possibility because you yeah. can do anything on the internet so whether it's the death rattle for network television it's uh yet to be seen i work in my my day job is working in network television so i i hope that's okay. not true, but uh, <laughs> unless the dessert takes off and that becomes my new career, which then who cares? But but yeah. you know what? It's I mean, yeah, it's listen. I mean, the media landscape is unpredictable. 
even here on Inside <laughs> Jokes, we will we'll probably have at least 399 episodes of this show, but you never know what could happen. All right, we're going to come back with more of the cast and creators of The Dessert, which, of course, is streaming starting July 7th on Crave. And, of course, you can also check them out live at this year's Just for Laughs. We'll be back with more Inside Jokes. That was Miss Delphire Imitation, and I am Shane Cunningham. Hey, this is Isabella Campbell. This is Jillian Smart. From the new sketch comedy show, The Dessert, and you are listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto, and of course streaming all across the entire known goddamn universe, everywhere where there's the internets on Global News Online. This week's episode, of course, is brought to you by Just for Laughs. They didn't give us any money to say that, but they are our friends. We are talking to a whole slew of comedians and content creators and producers and performers appearing at this year's JFL. First up... Once again on the panel, we have the cast of the new sketch series, The Dessert, which of course is streaming on Crave, and also you can catch them live at this year's JFL. We've got Jillian, we've got Isabella, we've got Shane. Uh, One thing I want to get into, I mean, uh, the content of this show is you do skew towards the very absurd, uh, which is wonderful. And I was curious, um, because obviously, you know, you're streaming this on Crave, you're premiering the show at JFL, but you also are doing a live sketch show there how much of a different animal is it when you're on stage and live and feeding off that audience versus obviously what has been honed and written and polished and goes into this series when you were doing the show live how much sort of more unpredictable and obviously you know less scripted and off the wall is it is it a completely different thing from what we can stream on crave when we get to actually see you guys live well, just to chime in uh for a little correction at jfl we're doing a panel we're not doing a live doing show a panel. However, we can still answer this question because we have done a live show at the Rivley opening for Bruce McCullough before, which was the first time we've ever performed live together. So that was quite the experience to open for Bruce. But I'm assuming Isabella being the person that uh, performs the most live, she can maybe speak on to the, the nuances of that versus like being in the sketch show. Yeah, uh, honestly, I had only really done live sketch before coming onto the show. And the difference is it's like you do feed off the audience and there's a bit more room to make mistakes, surprisingly, um, doing a live show because you can always like improvise or um, you'll be able to be caught by your partners on on a stage. Um, But you have time for rehearsals, whereas uh, for the show, it's like you're kind of... um, that mojo comes with a few takes you know what i mean yeah yeah and it's hard to you can't you can't really improvise as much um uh you can 
but it's like, you know, there's still, you got to hit your marks. You got to do this and that. Um, but it is, it's interesting. It's a, it's a lot different and you have to be a bit more subtle um, in kind of your acting when it comes to camera. Um, Cause you can get a big laugh from maybe like an eyebrow twitch or like a little smirk compared to like, you know, bellowing on stage. Um, so yeah, it's definitely interesting, the difference, but I gotta say, I'm I'm kind of liking the film more. I think I like the film more. Yeah. Well, you can. I mean, you can you can sort of polish this thing, right? It's. I mean, it's obviously once it's there and it's filmed and then it's locked and loaded and then it's mm -hmm. it's like now it's now it's a finished thing and it's just out there forever now. But it's you do get to sort of hone and polish that versus when you're performing sketch and improv live, you sort of feed off the moment and there is that element of. Mm -hmm. you know anything can happen that's the funny thing about sketch too because it's sort of you know in stand-up comedy it's sort of there's a there's a remove there from the audience in some ways like yes you're feeding off of that energy yeah. but you also just want kind of want the audience to stay in their place laugh when they're supposed to laugh and just listen to you and that's it but in sketch it's very much you're feeding off there's sort of a call and response where you're feeding off of that room and rolling with whatever happens but i i do think that that energy obviously very much still picks up on camera and goes into a series like this. Um, but yeah, like you said, performing together at the Rivoli, obviously that was the original stomping grounds of Bruce and the kids in the hall. So there is that sort of energy there. Uh, how much of an influence did Bruce have on this series? Obviously as a producer, but just in general, I mean, kids in the hall and, and sort of that culture that they brought to Canadian sketch, how much of that energy goes into this series? Because again, Shane, obviously you very much mm. do speak towards the absurd here. Oh, definitely. And uh, I think whether Bruce's name was uh, above the show, because this is Bruce McCullough Presents the Dessert, I think his influence would be all over it. And I'm so glad his name is above it, because people might accuse him of ripping off certain elements of the show, especially stylistically, even the, the opening credits mm -hmm. alone. They're filmed with that handy cam, like Super 8 style of filming, and all of our yeah. interstitials are trying to be very cool. And for me, um, growing up, like I'm you know, I'm of the age where Kids in the Hall was popular when I was coming up, and it was just the coolest show. Whether I was laughing or not, I was always struck by how cool it was. And before Kids in the Hall came out, I didn't think comedy could be that cool. I thought it had to be so broad and so silly, like kind of how Robin Williams is or whatever. Yeah. But to do comedy kind of straight-faced and subdued was really uh, revelatory for me. And that's something I, I always try to do, even with our show, that it is so brash and broad and crude, a lot of people would say, and even gross, some people might say, we always play everything deadly serious in, in our show, which was a huge thing we took from Kids in the Hall. Which is true, because, I mean, they even had that influence stateside. I mean, there would have, you know, there would have been no Mr. Show without Kids in the Hall. And you hear all these sketch performers in the U.S. that say, yeah, we've watched these, like, who are these kids, these random kids in toronto in the 90s and and but yeah cult show for so many people i mean uh, yeah. shane it's always kind of a weird spot too in canadian sketch comedy because we're sort of stuck in the middle obviously we do have a lot of influences from the uk a lot of that sort of is is steeped into our into our blood in canada into our sketch comedy and we're right next door to the states so we're sort of like this weird middle stepchild between obviously Hollywood and American comedy, and then that UK influence, like troops like Python and all that stuff, and that sort of British sensibility of silliness and the absurd. Are we kind of like influenced by both of these things, do you think, in Canadian sketch? Like, do we have sort of our own identity and our own flavor in our sketch comedy in Canada? I, um, I think Canada is looked at as being quirkier and a little less... Uh, 
in your face or like a cocky with their comedy. It's a little bit more subtle, I would think. And, and maybe like, of course this hour is 22 minutes. That's very political. Some, how can you use that? But uh, for me, like growing up, I didn't even know kids in the hall was Canadian. It was so cool. I think I had a little bit of uh, thinking it was American. Cause I, I do look up to the big <laughs> American shows. I'm not saying I'm a self-hating Canadian, but there was, in some ways, the idea that Canada had lower budgets and thus they couldn't get things to be as cool. So it was it was almost like when I was in my like early 20s that I really realized Kids in the Hall is uh, Canadian. But well, I've uh, for, forgotten the question, so take it away, Julian. Are we well, a little more Benny Hill or a little less uh, SNL? Are we, are, are we into Benny Hill? Are we, are we more Benny Hill or are we more SNL? Oh, I think we're comedy-wise like Benny Hill, but not as polished as SNL. Yeah, that's a good way. Yes, I, I, I'd, uh, I'd go for that. It is kind of funny, though. There was always that, it's, it's bad to say, but there was always that adage, you know, watching Canadian television growing up. There was that element of like, oh, this show is good, even though it was always dot, 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 even though it's Canadian. We sort of, yeah, we always had that self-loathing thing about our own. Uh, which, by the way, I mean, obviously, again, we're seeing this great run of network shows happening in this country and these series actually being picked up from who's actually out there on stage in sketch and stand-up and improv right now for all of you before obviously we got to wrap it up shortly and, and find out where we can actually watch this and catch you with and all that stuff um but does it feel more like it's possible to just live and work in canada now without having to go stateside is it are we finally sort of building that infrastructure here i'll, I'll throw that to jillian and isabella on that one yeah, I think that there is there are so many Canadian comedians right now who are doing such amazing things. And I see the industry, there's like this boom that's happening right now that's so exciting to see. And I think that within a few years, we'll be able to hold our own in like the global comedy community because one of our biggest exports is comedians and everyone here is so talented and we've really cultivated such a special community of comedians. So yeah, I do think that in a few years, we're going to really be able to hold our own in the industry. And I'm really excited for it. There we go. Canadian comedy. Anything is possible. All right. We so, of course, thank you again. We could talk about this show all day, but we, we are going to come back from break with more JFL. But before we go with the cast of The Dessert, so once again, uh, where can we stream this? Obviously, you can catch it on Crave. Uh, where can we find you on the Internet? All that good stuff. Dessert Online. There we go. That's, uh, that's our Instagram <laughs> handle. That's the quickest, easiest way to say it, right, Jillian? Yeah. Yeah. The dessert the dessert online. Online. That's good. That's what our name is. I know that's confusing because it's also a descriptor, but uh, yes, the dessert online at Instagram.com. Yeah. There we go. So catch the dessert <laughs> streaming on Crave, presented, of course, by Bruce McCullough. Thank you again to our cast of the dessert. Don't forget to stream that on Crave. We're going to come back with more inside jokes and more JFL right here on 640.
right here on 640 Toronto, and as always, streaming all across the entire known MCU, wherever there's the internet on Global News Online. This week's episode is brought to you by Not A Living Soul. We are newly single and looking to mingle right here on Inside Jokes. It is, of course, the lead up to Just For Laughs, arguably the biggest comedy event on the planet, certainly here in Canada. It is pre-festival time. We have two absolute icons i'm gonna say on the show with us right now as we lead up to jfl we have our returning friends the friend of the show alonzo bowden with us how are you doing tonight man i'm great i'm great happy to be back we check in with you every year when it's you know pre-jfl time when it's the pre-festival season and of course you are returning to montreal to do a run of shows there you are the host of this year's just for the culture which was the rebranded ethnic show why did they rebrand it who knows maybe you'll tell us but of course very excited about this next guest never had her on the show and just in at the absolute last possible minute because we're getting canceled very soon but we have judy Gold <laughs> on the air with us How are you God, what a great intro thank you thank right. you very much we've been saying like hi oh, we couldn't are- get anyone else at the last yeah. minute. guess who we found <laughs> <laughs> thanks alonzo like i don't have low self-esteem we've okay uh, judy on the show and then it's perfect timing because it's like pretty soon there is no show so it's right i got in at the last people. minute yeah that's what we'll say you know what's interesting though i mean obviously and I mean, yeah, you've both done the fest many, many times over the years. It's just, it's kind of summer camp for comedians. It's just some, it's where you go every summer. Everybody goes there. But JFL has, it's always been an interesting variety of shows because yes, there's the galas, which, you know, they are on network TV and they're sort of polished and all that stuff. There's a lot of shows at JFL though, that very much celebrate comics being as unfiltered as they want and sort of raw and in the moment. And there's no holds barred and audiences flock out in droves for that. It's kind of an interesting time right now. I want to pick both your brains on this. And obviously, yes, you're both going to be on Just for the Culture. It feels like now, post-pandemic, we're getting to a place in stand-up again where the pendulum has kind of swung back around where audiences want comics to be able to say whatever they want and be unfiltered and unpoliced. Because it feels like a couple of years ago, we were the opposite was sort of happening. There was a lot of, you can't say this and comics are a couple of years ago. Are you crazy? Um, I don't, I, of course you didn't plug my book. Uh, yes, I can say that. So I, I wrote a book, um, that came out in July of 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and by the way, 98% of books that came out in 2020 sold fewer than 5,000 copies. Cause that's how stupid we are in this country. But, uh, I wrote a book called Yes, I Can Say That When They Come For The Comedians, We're All In Trouble. And it's all about free speech and cancel culture from the perspective of a comedian. And this crap has to stop. It has to stop. And I don't know if Alonzo feels like it's getting better, but um, I think for people like he and I who don't care, you know, we have nothing to lose. We know what we're doing up there and we you know, we're not going to write our material based on, oh my God, what if I hurt that one's feelings, that unhoused indigenous person who's visually impaired and lactose intolerant? No, we're not, we don't do, we don't write material. No one was thinking about your childhood trauma when they wrote their material. So uh, (laughs) it's, it is infuriating to me, but I do see young comics playing it safe so they can get stage time. And that is not good for stand-up. Sorry, Alonzo. I got really passionate about it. No, you're you're right. But see, here's this has been my thing with this whole cancel culture thing. And and I've been trying to get canceled for five years. I just can't. I know it's so it. good for your career. Exactly. You know who it is? That's a bunch of critics and talk in the clubs. When you go in the club, the actual audience, 
They never stopped us from saying what they wanted to say. Then they take two lines out of what you said from a video or somebody puts it, you know, blah, 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 completely out of context. And now you're the worst person on earth for three days. And then they forget because there's a new worst person on earth. It, it's it, it's annoying. But to true comics, OK, and to true comedy fans, they never stop. You know, you know, right. what the bar is. Is it funny? Funny. Is you it had, funny? You had yes. a few people. You had a few people, and the audience can always pick up on this, right? A racist doing race jokes because he he wants to be racist on stage, and then say, "Oh, it was just a joke." Oh yeah, the whatever. disclaimer, the disclaimer, right? Yeah. The disclaimer. Yeah. The the audience feels that, and they'll kill you for that. They'll oh, get yeah. you for that. But as far as being funny, and and this is something, L.A. versus New York, and Judy, this is what I love about New York. New York is truly anything goes. Right. New York is. New York is a hard city and New Yorkers are like, if it's funny, we don't care. We make right. fun of anyone. In L.A., we still get people who are sensitive, who have their feelings. And then the network people who have no idea what's oh, funny. They're well, they're 12, you know. Job. Yeah. But, but, you know, but can I piggyback on that? Like, yeah, you, absolutely. It's all, so it's context. It's nuance. And it's intent, which does not flow on Twitter or anywhere else. Okay, there's none of that. But I always say this, you know, when you take the intent, whatever the comedian's trying to say, instead, if you take it, oh, that word is, you know, and then it becomes all about you. No, if you murder someone and you go on trial for homicide, your sentence is determined by your intent. What were you thinking? And yet comedians are not given the same consideration. It's whatever reaction Sarah's sensitivity has. And it's not right. It is, well, it, yeah. No, I was gonna jump in and I'll tell you, this is the worst part about being the, the judgment of comedians. We're judged more than politicians. That's right. The lowest, yeah, the yeah. lowest form of life, a politician gets a bigger pass than we comics do because you know. I, and I remember in 1994, Judy made a joke about blah blah blah. So she is a horrible person for the yes. rest of her life. However, Ted Cruz hates Latino people, even though he is one. Uh, he's a great politician. <laughs> right, right. And he'll go down to Mexico while you freeze to death in Texas. It. That's the most ridiculous part. We're held to a higher standard. George right. Santos, Judy, how is George Santos still in? in, in I Please, um, it's every day. <laughs> it's every day. I'm like, I can't even believe this scum of the earth. Lying <laughs> idiot. And I don't even want him in the gate. Get out of our community, you idiot. I hate him. But yeah, go ahead. That's true. It's true. It's such an indication. Okay, Dean, ask another question. Well, it is. I mean, it's also, well, can I just say one thing? Comedians speak truth to, we tell the truth. And this country, our country has a very crapo relationship with the truth. And as Mark Twain said, under the assault of laughter, nothing can stand. We humiliating someone with your words there's no more powerful weapon so in a way we are more powerful than them because we are telling the truth and they don't have the weaponry to defend themselves so they want to shut us up and it's it's really getting bad it's really reminiscent of what happened in nazi germany
It's exactly what happened because in 1933, 32, the comedians were all on stage speaking about what was really happening with the Third Reich and it weakened Nazi propaganda. So Hitler passed the Treachery Act of 1934, which made telling or listening to an anti-Nazi joke an act of treason punishable by death or imprisonment. And this goes on in other countries too. We well, are very threatening to people. About that actually. The, yeah. the, Supreme Court, the Supreme Court is actually working on that right now. And uh, Clarence Thomas will. Yeah, have that. he's a great guy. Have that Love him. By late September. I just saw him. I'm in Provincetown <laughs> on a yacht uh, right across the way, waving to all the gays. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I don't know. I, I, I was kind of thinking that was going to lead to a place of optimism. Like, okay, you know, people are celebrating the fact that comedy is supposed to be outspoken and you're supposed to sort of take the skeleton out of the closet and give it an autopsy right on stage. But, uh, I don't know. It's also in America. Well, right now. No, let me jump in. Right I'll jump in on what you said, Dean. And this is one of the beautiful things about specifically about just for the culture, about this show. Well, that's right. That's we are something, something. No, it's something they don't want you to talk about. What's great is each comic will roast their own culture. Right. Yes. So yeah. things that you're not supposed to say, people will say about themselves, about their people, about and and. Getting back to what Judy said, the beautiful thing about it is you literally learn about other cultures listening to the comic joke about his or her culture. You will learn about the culture from the jokes about the culture. And people get more from that than, again, some lecture. Right. Politician, somebody tell you. So, yeah. So great comedy makes don't you worry, smarter. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> the optimism. Comedy ain't going anywhere. That's right. the optimism. Comedy ain't going anywhere. It's it's getting. I mean, now we have people with who do a viral video who think they're comics. We're, that's that is a sin and a half. But <laughs> Alonzo is a hundred percent right. Listening to a comedian who's completely different from you makes you smarter and more compassionate. And you know, we need a lot more of that. We're gonna come back with more JFL lead up, more Alonzo Bowden and Judy Gold right here on Inside Joe. Welcome back 
to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And of course, this week's episode is brought to you by absolutely no one at all. It is the pre-JFL lead up right here on Inside Jokes. We are talking to the one and only Alonzo Bowden and Judy Gold about, I don't know, just for the culture. They're both going to be at just for the culture, but just in general, the state of the world, the state of comedy. I don't know one thing about this festival. And I mean, I'm sure the festival means different things for you both now than it did earlier on in your careers because yeah i'm sure you both remember well right i mean that first the first time you get invited to jfl and you're an upcoming comic it's alonzo when did you go yeah i did new faces in 97 okay i did i went i think in 94 or 95 and i was already had been on a series or and i had an h i was getting an hbo so i went not as new faces, but I don't know if Alonzo likes this, but it's not even liking it. But, you know, when you get to our age, when, you know, who gives a crap, you know, and you see <laughs> these young comics and you just want to go and they're just like, hi, and you want to go, just come do the work, just do the work. It'll come. Stop it. It's the, it's it that looking, you know, I've been doing this 40 years. I mean, looking back, and seeing myself in those desperate comedians, you just want to tell them to calm down and it's going to be okay. Just do the work. Yeah. That's the, it's, it's the fun part for me. One of the fun things is like, I literally had these guys at the laugh factory, you know, and they call me the OG and they're like, OG, when did you know you were an OG? And I said, I knew I was when I started answering questions that I used to ask George Wallace. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's it, it really is generational. You you find out and I love them. I wish them the best. Now, I like to mess with them. You know, I, I oh, like of course. to remind them. I like to remind them when I did new faces, you left with a deal. I yeah. quit my day job. You will not. So I like to remind them of that. But no, it's it's very cool. And Judy, I bet you've had this experience. You find out you've influenced people. That oh, you that accept. it. Yeah. And they know who you are and they will quote a joke you did 15 years ago. And they're like, oh, when I saw you do this, Bob, I love that. That's that's a very that to me is the that is the cream of all of this is that you had an effect on me, especially I came out uh, as a lesbian in 96. And I have these kids who, you know, when I had already been in the mainstream, I came out in the mainstream clubs. I was came out yeah. as a gay parent. And so. I still like just happened the other day, you know, I was would go in my basement and and watch you on television as a closeted gay kid, this crazy woman talking about her kids and her girlfriend, you know, partner and and what an effect it had on these people. And to me, because representation is everything. And that's what that Alonzo show is all about, you know, is representation. And so, yeah, that's the greatest part of 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 this career is, is my, how much you affected people. My experience like that was young black comics telling me that, yeah, you showed us we could do mainstream. Cause you know, in the nineties, urban, you urban, black, urban, urban. You, yeah. They put you on death jam and you had to be from the hood and you had to blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't that. And they were like, man, I saw you. And you know, and, and for me, it was like, I saw Franklin Ajay do it. When oh I, yeah. When Franklin. I met Franklin Najai and he oh knew God, I who I him. was, I was flattered because he was the comic who crossed, you know, they call it cross or whatever you want to call it, but working mainstream clubs as a black comedian and having opinions on things beyond being black and having opinions on things from a black perspective. 
and and this is no disrespect to Def Jam and and all of that. I love all of that. I love those comics, but they did try to stereotype you, put you in a box, and comic young comics saying, "Man, I heard you, so I knew I could do something else." I mean, you know, I had a guy come up to me because I do a lot of NPR stuff. He was like, "You you're kind of a closet nerd, aren't you?" I'm like, "Well." <laughs> If by that you mean, do I read? Well, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of. I mean, this this festival really is. I mean, it's it's summer camp for comics, really. But it's 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 especially funny for the Canadian comics because when you're there and you're doing JFL, it's like everybody's here and all, everybody, the whole industry is in the city and it's great and all that. But then you guys all leave, and then for the Canadian comics, it's like that feeling you have when you're a kid and it's the last day of summer. It's like right, the circus has left town. It goes from this joie de vivre and this huge big thing, and then it goes back to normal, and it's like you know everything's over now. It's like a Bruce Springsteen song. That's what happens to Canadian comics. Oh, really? Time. Is that what happens to Canadian comics? Because no. I remember doing my first gala on a Tuesday, and that Friday night I was at the the VFW in Riverside. <laughs> So don't think you're the only ones who to whom the That's, bubble bursts. That is right on. You could be. I mean, I remember like I'd do the Tonight Show, and then I'd be in a friggin' bathroom slash office the following night, smelling duty and beer on the floor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah reality once, checks and comedy. Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them. How important is the road? For any comic, because as you mentioned, people go online and try to be this overnight success with a sketch or a video, but that grind gives you a perspective, but B, the chops you will never get in any other industry. Can I just say, Vince, yes, thank yes, you. Sir. No, thank you for bringing that up because yeah. as Alonzo knows, when we went on the road, we had no computers. We had no phones. I had one suitcase that was a junk drawer. It had books, uh, magazines. It had my clarinet. I mean, you had to write. Your whole day revolved around that set. And you were alone. You couldn't use the hotel phone. You were really isolated. And then you made a huge sacrifice to go on the road and become great at this craft and make people from different backgrounds laugh. Now people go on the road and they're just making content. Um, they're in, you know, they're constantly in touch with other people. I do feel like there's some really great comedians out there, but what what ends sustainability is really about the craft of stand-up and doing the work and not you know taking nude pictures and writing funny captions right you know? and you know there's a love of the art okay there's a love of the art that we have we're we're old school and we did grind on the road i will say coming up through la in the year i did there were some comics who went on the road like me there were others who stayed in town and studied acting and got on shows and so and god bless them because that's right. a different that's a different talent a different path a, you know, yeah different path but comics we just know like when you if you go to the green room and stuff like that you know you you know what it's like to do grand rapids on a wednesday you you've been to you know these crap rooms and you've been to these a rooms and had these huge responses and stuff so it's a different thing. It's a different time. Listen, they, they're what they're doing now, like you said, with the making videos and stuff like that. Some of these people are brilliant and that's how they're accessing their audience. Listen, they never got to do morning radio. OK, they never got to do radio on right. Thursday and sell out the weekend because you were funny. They don't know who Bob and Tom are. Right. <laughs> so so it changes over time. And I'm cool with that. Just, uh, but let me tell you something, and, and I got to go, we we old vets, we ain't done yet. 
We yep. ain't done yet. We're still here. We're not going we're anywhere, still, baby. Right. right. So. Is that part of the fun for you now, by the way, before we let you guys go, is just going to this fest to just, because listen, you could do this fest. I'm sure it's fun to return. You don't have to do this fest. It's not going to make or break you at this point. Is the fun now. Wait, wait. What do you mean it's not? What? There were going to be producers. Oh, my God. I heard Netflix was going to be there. They said that they were looking for talent. What the hell do you mean? Oh, my God. Isn't Amazon Prime going to be there? (laughs) Is that the fun, though, is just going and hanging out with other It's just knowing that you're doing, you're, you're, you know, all I ever wanted was to be respected by my peers and to do good work and to go to a, a, a place where it's really all about the craft and people know you for the work you've done to me and to be like, I don't get to see Alonzo. Like most of us never get to see each other. We're, we're working, we're on the road and to be able to be on shows with these people you would never headline on the road with it. That is, and, and the camaraderie and it's, it's a bonding experience. It's just great. It's great. The rapper KRS-One had a line a long time ago that has always stayed with me. He said, respect will outlast cash. When you get to the point that you're respected by the comics that we hang out with in our crew, that's when you know you're a comic. You go in that green room, there's going to be millionaires and there's going to be grinders and there's going to be everything in between. But when you can sit there and be funny and hang out with them, that's when you know you're a comic. Right on. Amen. There we go. Perfect note to end on there. Judy Gold, Alonzo Bowden, thank you both so much. Don't forget, you can catch them both live at this year's JFL. And, of course, check them out on the Just for the Culture show. It's coming up this summer in Montreal. That is our show. That is our panel. We'll be back next week. This week's Comedy Rx is Judy Gold. But I do sometimes feel sorry for my kids because they have two Jewish mothers. Wouldn't you kill yourself seriously at that time? And my mother, so my mother was so supportive when Henry was born. It was so hard for her because she didn't know how to explain this new grandson to her friends because I hadn't given birth. And all of a sudden she has this grandson. And Schwendi and I had only been together for about 12 years, so no one had any idea what was going on. So she used to tell people, Judith's roommate had a baby. And then Judith adopted it. Judith's roommate, she's a lovely girl. She takes in the mail when Judith travels. Uh, She was walking down the street. There was some hypodermic needle around. It happened to have sperm in it. She landed in her vagina. She had a baby. And then Judith adopted the baby. (laughs) 